No, you get more than you get more than like a week after the wedding. You get like six months, and then you stop is being it? interested in each other at all. Is that right? Is yeah. it six months? Yeah, six months, Chinch. No, no, I've been married for nearly two years, and we're still we still go for each other. You <laughs> first time round, <laughs> first time round, four months. It's been problem, problem free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. will, you, will you still love me in six months? I have to. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. It's paid for. A year? No chance, mate. Well then, no chance. Basically, all outstanding items will have been paid for at that yeah. point, so we can. Yeah. Yeah. Once yeah. there's no financial obligation, you yeah. basically you're home free, aren't you? <laughs> Essentially, then you can make. That's when you really know how you feel when when all yeah. the. So how long's on the mortgage? Mm. Oh god, oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Bring up the prenup. Oh yes, the prenup. What? Are you doing the a prenup? Pre- Are you doing a prenup? I, I would, Gemma. I seriously would. <laughs> have you seen him? Yeah, but he's not. You got know him. What? You'd only do a prenup if it was me and you getting married. <laughs> no, there's a thought, isn't there? He's not got anything that's already. worth having half of. Hands off. That's true. There's no fifty percent of nothing is what chinch. Uh, you went to grammar school. Uh, of what? Say again. Fifty percent of zero. Fifty percent of zero is. Uh, is that zero? Yes. Yes. So prenups pointless. Pointless. A pointless prenup. Pointless. Gemma might need it to protect herself. Mm. But. That's true. Fifty percent of your riches. Who is? Talk to my people. <laughs> you, you're all right, I was going to say. You do actually have it. So th- this, this in Easter week is yeah. very, um, very much like a last supper for you, Chinch. Why is that? Because you're not going to eat for how long now? Are we going to talk about this? Well, I don't think we should talk about it in detail. detail. Not in detail. Let's not no. go down, completely down that road. But you, you've got a procedure. Yes. Yeah. You're talking about it. Just said, let's no, not, not go we're down that around road. It. Oh, you're having a procedure, are you, old man? So was it was it worth mm-hmm. worth signing off from food eating for 24 hours with? It was. With a it nice was, little it morning, was okay. Morning continental. There wasn't a lot of cooking. You'd basically no, go that's true. to the shop, bought pastries, bought cold meats, yeah, yeah. bought cheese. If this was come dine with Ow. me, we'd all be sitting in separate bedrooms <laughs> criticizing the fact you've not made any of it. <laughs> yeah. Do they score people? Yes. Like out of ten. Have you never watched? No. No. Come, yeah. Is it out of ten? Is it out of ten? Yeah. 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 So, what, what are you going to give Gemma's efforts this morning? Out of well, if it's Gemma, 10. She's in the room. If it's Gemma, 10, without a shadow of a doubt. 10? If it's you, 4. <laughs> no, well, it was really nice, but it's just that you're so critical of everybody else. So, But mm. I don't think there's any... Like 5. There's, I don't think there's any evidence of me, certainly on tape, being critical of anybody. Well, there's loads of evidence. There's, there's a, that entire stream of WhatsApps... Oh, if you got a WhatsApp group without me? Yeah. <laughs> it's not so much the... It's, it's the it's just, that sounds familiar. It's just, just me, Tins and Steve. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sneering, withering looks uh, or the complete failure to acknowledge yeah, yeah, what's yeah. been eaten yeah. during any, any podcast that haven't been hosted by Hugh. Yeah. The worst one was when we... the first Remember the first time we went to Chinches and Nicky had made that amazing... Uh, hot, hot pot, pot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he was as we got into the car on the way out. No, what, just, went, just went. It's not as good as my jambalaya. <laughs> <laughs> just... Is that what you said? Uh, I think you find that <laughs> that story would hold true if it wasn't for the fact that the jambalaya came after. Oh, damn it! <laughs> but nice, nice try to besmirch me in front of my betrothed. Look at well. him, he's furious. You criticise my wife's hot pot again. We're going to fall out, big style. I have never criticised your wife's anything, let alone her hot pot. I was she just is, talking about food. She is amongst. One of the finest human beings yes. that I think I've ever met. Keep it that way, yeah? All right. Because she has very strong arms. <laughs> That's true. You do not want to get in a headlock with that woman. This is Set Piece Many, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. We are enjoying a leisurely continental breakfast. Two weeks ago, uh, we'd just been talking about it. You revealed, Rory, that I wasn't particularly forthcoming with my own appreciation. Last week, it was the elephant in the room. We didn't discuss the food because obviously tensions are a little high. And so this time, it's an open forum for comments on whether it's any good or not. If it's brilliant, it's down to me. If it's bad, it's Tesco's fault. What's the, what's the sausage with the talcum powder that's on a it? Sausi- that's a sausage on set. A pardon? A sausage on set. I thought it was. What's that called? I was yeah. just about to say, is that what it is? It's a French sausage. Mm. 
dry. Sect means dry. Did you enjoy it? I love saucisson sect. Is that something that you should have had with your um, procedure tomorrow? With, no, that with could that could Omar me up big style, couldn't it? Yeah. You, you, you have oh. a very very good looking consultant yes. apparently. And considering what he's going to do to me, <laughs> okay, does make it a lot worse. Right, We've come just on. eaten, come on. and people may be eating at this point. Let's remind you of the set piece menu team, then, shall we? I'm Hugh Ferris. I dream of being Mark Pugach. Steve Wyeth dreams of being Peter Drury. Rory Smith <laughs> dreams of being David Remnick. And if it wasn't for his dodgy knees, Andy Hinchcliffe might have actually been Kevin Kilban. So. <laughs> <laughs> that close. Uh, a reminder that you can get in touch with us on Set Piece Menu. Uh, we are on Twitter, at Set Piece Menu. And, of course, the Set Piece Menu at gmail.com. Email address is something for you uh, to get involved with. Thank you to all those people over the last couple of weeks who have been attempting to answer our trivia question that we set way back when. And Hang on. It's not our trivia question. Somebody else's trivia question. Bye-bye, Gemma. She's going to walk the dog with Kate. Which has been Very nice. nice. It's Kate's lost. It's lost so coming to she, a place she's been three she, times. She already. may never come back. <laughs> That's true. So if, oh, but Gemma will know. Actually, no, Gemma won't know. No. Terrible Maybe Gemma will get lost. Direction. Have, you, have you noticed, Andy, that our partners have been left out of this yeah, little uh, get-together? Yeah, no one's awesome. been left is out. Something, is, yeah. there something, is there something yeah. about... Chinch, your wife has two dogs already, and, and Steve, your partner has two children. <laughs> they have enough to be getting on yeah, with. They definitely need walking on a regular basis. Plus, Chinch, you've made it quite clear that you think Nikki could is anti-dog. So I don't really she want to introduce my dog yes, to that Nikki. that would be a dangerous partnership. Yes. No, no, she likes... It's like children, isn't it? Other people's children are always better than your own because your own children I thought it was the other way around. But dogs. You loved your own and yeah, hated all the other, other. Yeah. No, well, the, the worst thing about having children yeah. is other people's children. Is it really? Yeah. I didn't find that. I just hated my own children. No, I don't <laughs> hate my own children. They're delightful boys. <laughs> yes, quite right too. Well, we were saying about this trivia question and it was, yes, it wasn't set uh, by us. Well, it was set by us, but it wasn't our trivia question. There have been all sorts of people getting in touch, um, essentially questioning whether it's a hoax or not. Um, we had an email from uh, a guy called Harry who, who thought it was a hoax. Um, we had somebody on Twitter called Rupert suggesting it might have been Fernando Torres if it was a league title, not the league title. So essentially, in our first trivia question of I, what I hope to be many, hmm. we have come up against something something of a misnomer. But we will return to another trivia question that perhaps we already know the answer to. Was what that strawberry? Doing? Not, not I couldn't get the stalk out. I'm really sorry. I couldn't get the stalk out the strawberry. That was the sound of a strawberry being ejected from Rory Smith's mouth. Don't put the whole strawberry in, you fool. You hold the stalk and bite it. It didn't work. The, the stalk stra- came with it. Strawberry oh. etiquette is one of the very first things you learn. Oh, that, that was really embarrassing. I'm going to stick to the blueberries during the yes. course. Yeah, of yeah the I think that's, that's something that's nice and small if we can. And they're a superfood. So thank you to all those people who got in touch attempting to answer a question that may be unanswerable. And um, on upcoming podcasts, we'll, we'll try and research our, our trivia questions a little bit better. Um, meanwhile, if you wouldn't mind, via iTunes or indeed via an email, do review, rate, subscribe and tell your friends about us too. And also, we're asking you, and we've got until... The the end of April, I think, for you to vote for us in the British Podcast Awards. All you need to do is go to www.britishpodcastawards.com forward slash vote. Start typing set piece menu uh, into the box and then it will appear and all you need to do is vote. It is for a listener award, your favourite podcast. I'm going to make this really easy. I'll put the link on the at set piece menu Twitter page. That is very... Isn't that, isn't that joined up thinking? That really is that joined really up is thinking. Clever. Versatile integration. And one of the reasons why you should vote for us, I would imagine. Uh, each week we get together to discuss one footballing subject before calling on Andy to tell us a tale from his playing days that we like to call Nevermind Jack and Ori, What a Soccer Story. That is all to come after we discuss this topic this week. Is football fun anymore? It's a slightly glib question. The simple answer, really, should be yes. 
However, perhaps you've noticed that it's become more of a yes, but, and we're going to spend some time talking about the but uh, on the program today. Footballers don't seem to enjoy themselves anymore. Fans seem to enjoy a spot of schadenfreude more than share their own team's joys. Managers are always complaining too. So really, is football fun anymore? Normally with a topic like this, you'd expect our grumpy brother Steve to be behind it. But actually, it's Rory's <laughs> fault this time. It is. Yeah. So basically, two things happened in the space of a week about a month ago. I went to New York, as we all know. Mm. Uh, and I had a conversation with a woman called Sarah Lyle, who's a writer for the, for the NYT, like me. And uh, we're does colleagues. It, does it really take less time Times. to say NYT, the New York Times? No, but it just makes me sound like I belong there, which I don't. <laughs> uh, anyway, so she said she's American, and she said that the big difference that she'd noticed between US sports and which is going to set Hugh off on talking about American sports. We, and we have for hours put aside really at least 15 minutes for me to talk about it. And, and football is that when someone hits a home run or does a touchdown or whatever in American sport. Excellent vernacular. <laughs> does, a does a touchdown. Okay. Touches down with the ball. <laughs> does a touchdown in the, in the end zone. Uh, the fans cheer. They go, yeah, we've scored a home run. And <laughs> what, they, happen, what happens when they dunk a basket? <laughs> when they dunk the basketball, I don't. I presume they do the same. It happens far too often in basketball. It, makes it, it renders it completely irrelevant. <laughs> uh, yeah, that everyone cheers and everyone smiles. And the, she said that the primary emotion that you see amongst the fans in those situations in American sports is joy. Whereas if you look behind the goal of any, <laughs> in any <laughs> Premier League football match... And you see the fans after their teams scored a football goal. There's always like one guy giving the finger to the opposition fans. And the, more than that, it's, there's a lot of people who will kind of turn to the to the other fans and go ah. Because the primary reaction isn't the happiness that they scored; it's delight that the other team has conceded. And then I, at the end of that week, I went to Man City Arsenal. Was it Man City Arsenal? Went to a Man City game, Man not Man City. City Liverpool. Man City Liverpool. That's it. Went to Man City Liverpool, and there's, there were a few fellas in front of the press box, and I'm not one to say that one set of fans are worse than any others. Although you are, not publicly. I don't. Oh, okay. The um, there was just a, like so there were a couple of sort of similar like. What's the word? Borderline decisions for the, for the linesman in the first half. Like a, a Raheem Sterling offside, Leroy Sane offside, whatever. And the City fans decided that the, this linesman, this poor, like, nondescript linesman, hated them and was, <laughs> was out to do them down. And there was a fella sat directly in front of me who was the exception to this because he just blamed the City players all the time. And so Sterling was offside, narrowly offside. The rest of the crowd was going, it wasn't offside. This time was going, Sterling, you're useless. <laughs> and then it was, Sane, you're useless. And it just went Sean on and Dyche. on and on. The City fan, <laughs> just in front with his seat, just in front of the went press box. Went on and on and on about how much he hated all of the City players. And because I'd had this conversation with Sarah a few days before, I kind of thought, like, what is in this for you? You're not enjoying. You're not enjoying this experience. You hate this team that you profess to support. Does it, they let you down constantly? Mm. You look on the so in the in the stands, no one's enjoying themselves. You look on the pitch, everyone's under so much pressure. No one ever smiles. That was the other thing that Sarah said. If you yeah, look at yeah. the the World Series, the final play of the World Series when the Cubs won it, the guy, the second baseman, I think, who makes the throw that leads to the out, does it with a smile on his face. Mm. How often do you see players smiling these days, actually looking like they're at work, enjoying themselves? Alexis Sanchez did it quite recently and it didn't go down terribly Exactly, well. yeah. It's like he's laughing on the... Maybe that's it. Maybe like players only, only smile when they're on the bench. So the question I want to ask Chinch is, mm. if you ask a player, do you like being a footballer? They always say, yes, it's the best life in the world. Were you having fun on the pitch? Well, I, I, saw, I did see it as a job as much as 
it's not a hobby. It can't be a hobby, can it? When you've got kids, you've got a home, you've got a mortgage to pay. Yes, I could do it. I'd done it from a young age and I was very fortunate to be in the position for it to be uh, my working life. But I did see it as a job as well. So maybe I'm not the right person to ask. But if, I think you have modern players as well. All the money that they earn, all the adulation that they get. Are they actually enjoying going out and playing football? Or do they feel, I've just got to try and get through this game? without being kind of heavily criticised and get on to the next match rather than enjoying the 90 minutes that they're taking part in because you do see them, when goals go in they're kind of scowling and, mm. and, but I think well, maybe in a way I was kind of like that well we've won the game but it is on to the next one because this is my profession and you can't get too carried away but maybe we should get more carried away that's what we're trying to say here but yeah. is it a society thing where fans, players they're all, all the, or, or a nationality thing or a nationality thing, thing where this is just the way people feel about everything in life now that nothing is there to be really enjoyed and to be really exuberant when something good, good happens God that's depressing yeah. well it is but that's <laughs> the thing it's, it's not just the fans we'll, we'll the try and counterbalance kind of, it no, a little bit later on it's the players enjoy. the managers the, yeah, the fans like, oh, I don't know of, well, well, anyway. how much anyone is actually feeling joy at a football match and that really that really troubles me well you see the Aguero goal that's that's again but that's right at the end of the season last kick Aguero scores he's off running taking his shirt off the yeah, fans and, and there was that's, genuine joy everywhere. That's even, genuine even joy, the cynical yeah. media enjoyed that moment yeah. as witnessing mm. something that was but you know, even, not even partisan it was just the fact that I am witnessing one of the most incredible sporting moments and there was genuine joy there were there were members of the press corps hugging each other oh my god Re- yeah that's, 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 and people you respect that's hugging not each professional other. The, the Beckham free kick for England against Greece at Old Trafford in the, the dying seconds to make it 2-2 two, two. that was that was like that that was about the only other time where I see members of the press up off their seats genuinely enjoying they were all, off on, a, all off on a jolly to Japan <laughs> why yes so even moments of joy you're undermining moments of genuine joy you're undermining yeah, it's your fault how many, when, how many times when people store goals do they, is their first reaction to smile there's always that kind of arms aloft primal scream of release and relief and whatever but no one ever smiled that free kick that Chinch scored at QPR where he went on his Jesus Christ celebration of goading the QPR fans but that was my way did you see that there's a reason behind that but if that's a Goodison Park and we win 3-2 I probably would have reacted differently but because I was getting so much grief rather than run over to them and give them the finger I just felt actually just shrugging the shoulders as if to say you know I do that every day in training which I did yeah obviously that was my way of and I didn't score many goals Steve so I think if you score maybe you have the luxury of saying well this isn't going to be the last goal I ever score so maybe so you didn't I can work out a celebration like Mick Shannon like Mick Shannon's windmill Can we all or Shearer that? just with his, his yeah I didn't like that one sky. so much really did you I think celebrations have gone downhill recently I don't think you get the, the, there was a, like a sweet spot for celebrations in the mid 1990s when you got like the Gabriel Batistuta uh, rat-a-tat-tat thing and people used to pretend to be snipers and there was one guy who thought he was a dinosaur it was amazing <laughs> I remember but now everyone just runs off it's boring Andrea Bellotti at Torino his El Gallo celebration oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the cockerel he does that's pretty, that's pretty yeah. good the, the problem is that with football is the be all and end all in this country isn't it how can we enjoy something that we spent all week having it rammed down our throats about how important it is you know it, it defines for so many football fans the outcome of, of their team next game defines their mood for, for days on end even you know properly growing up human males allow it allow themselves and to become, females yeah and females allow, the, allow themselves to become furious about the outcome of a football match not just in the instant 
after it, but for days afterwards. And then there's the goading at school or work that follows as well. So perhaps that's why there isn't any joy during a football game. Well, so I think that's 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 absolutely right. I think Steve is correct, and we should stop recording because <laughs> Sarah Lyle said to me during the course of our conversation about fun in sport that perhaps it was because football mattered more in Europe than other sports do in the States and that they provided more, that people focus their lives more on football teams than they do on baseball teams or whatever. I don't think that logically, I'm not a sociologist, but I think logically and sociologically that doesn't hold up. I think if you have a comparatively dreary life in Europe and you have a dreary life in the States, at a rough guess the one in Europe is probably a bit better because you've got things like free healthcare. So I don't think there's any reason why, I don't think there is more to escape in Europe than there is in America. I think if you have a bad life, you have a bad life, it doesn't matter where you are. I think it's the way it's sold to us and the way, the way it's discussed within, within the media. And Steve's right, it's to do with this idea that every defeat is an absolute disaster, and all victory, which means that all victory does is stave off disaster for another week. So it's not that you're enjoying the win, it's your, your, your primary emotion when your team wins, I think, as a player or as a fan, I would guess it's relief yeah. Let, more than joy. Yeah, yeah, let, yeah, let's yeah. unpack the, the differences between uh, Europe and America a little bit more in a moment, but let, I want to go back and focus on the fact that you were talking about players not necessarily enjoying it because they are trying to insulate themselves at the very least when scoring a goal or winning from all the abuse that they generally get. And that ties into the same point about fans who are continually abusing even their own players, let alone the opposition's players. Sterling, you rubbish! These two things are intertwined. These two things are self-perpetuating. You have a fan abusing a player and a a player wanting to stop that abuse and so there's no there, there is always a sense of relief there's not a sense of genuine joy because you're not starting from an emotional level playing field you are only trying to prevent something negative from happening mm. do you think it is related to money both the the fact that the tickets cost so much yes and that the players earn so much do you think that's at the root of it i thought exactly the same thing we, it's almost as though it's inversely proportionate isn't it the amount of money at stake drains the amount of happiness you can get mm. out of the situation because yeah you've paid your 50 quid for your ticket to the game so you've earned the right to abuse whoever you want to abuse because you've paid 50 quid to be there and also I, I don't again I think it's probably another difference with the states is that we analyse the amount of money that, that these professional sportsmen earn in the United Kingdom and, and paint and, it as and a barrier yeah, exactly and, and almost and re, almost resent it even though yeah. we support those teams whereas I don't think that's an issue in the States, they'd almost celebrate the success of those individuals as being able to provide yeah, for yeah, their family yeah. and live a lavish lifestyle, whereas we slightly resent that in this country, which is why I don't think we can quite buy into the, you know, Wayne Rooney scores the winning mm. goal in a Manchester derby. Yeah, that's fantastic, but you're happier for yourself than you are for Wayne Rooney and the Manchester United team because they all get to drive home in, you know, in a Bentley and to 20 million. And what do they yeah, care? Exactly yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the negativity is an interesting thing because... What I said at the beginning was, was essentially schadenfreude. You enjoy other people's failings more than you do your own team's success. Or what Rory described as, it's often I'm a very eloquent man. <laughs> it's true. And it, and it probably needed less time to say it. So it's always the encapsulation of complex you did, theory. You crafted it a little bit. Like in the day-to-day where he says, can you sum up in a word? No. Can you sum up in a sound? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's often developed, isn't it, as an insurance or protection against the feelings that they don't want to suffer. So if you're a fan, you don't want to, and you mentioned it earlier, Steve, about the fact that you don't want to have to go into work and, and have people ribbing you because your team lost. You don't want the hurt. You don't want the, to feel the rejection, the shame, the embarrassment. And so you insulate yourself against it by being angry or scapegoating somebody who has 
basically helped you avoid those feelings. And we, we do it as a, we talked about nationality, we do it as a nation. So you go back to tournaments that I was alive for and paid attention to, um, international tournaments. The World Cup in 1990, Stuart Pearce and Chris Waddle were the scapegoats because they missed penalties. In 1992, it was Graham Taylor um, was the scapegoat at Euro 92. Then in 1994, it was actually Ronald Koeman. Blame Ronald Koeman for the, not getting sent off in that qualifier against Holland. In 1996, it was Gareth Southgate for missing the penalty. In 1998, it was David Beckham for getting sent off. In 2000, it was Philip Neville, wasn't it, for conceding the penalty, penalty against, against Romania. Romania. Yeah. In 2002, it was David Seaman for not being in position when Ronaldinho yeah, yeah. scored yeah. that goal. So we do it as a nation. We scapegoat somebody to basically not just come to terms with the fact either we're not good enough or we just sit there in our own feelings of, of rejection and embarrassment about the fact that we trumpeted so, something so much and it's failed. And so that, that is, I don't, I don't think that's an American thing. It's also that sport in America is more of a, an entertainment perhaps than a lifestyle choice, isn't it? You, 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 follow, you follow your team passionately, I sense, but I don't think success and failure is as significant to followers of American sports. Is, is that the same across all? You got ice hockey, basket. Is it the same across well, all sports in America, or are all are the sports seen I think, differently? And this is not based on any knowledge. Hugh is the one of us who well, knows and, about American and Steve sports. Steve with his NHL. Mm-hmm. But I would say that that's right in pro sports, but not right in college sports. I, th- I wonder if college sports, where you get the yeah. emotion that's different, that more sorry, in college sports you get the emotion that is more. That runs more parallel with how we feel about professional that's, sports. That's things. more of a more of a community thing. It's community based. They don't move. Yeah. They don't. They're yes. not. It's it's yeah. got doesn't have that quite that same kind of occasion to it. Well, we've just been talking about the negativity that that seems to be fueled by British football in particular. In American sports, you don't have away fans segregated into an area and home fans taking up 90% mm. of the stadium. You do get away fans who travel, but they are essentially all, it's all neutral seating yeah. and, and you buy your ticket wherever you are. And there's no sense of tribalism. There's no sense of, of the, the, the prospect or threat of violence or anything like that. So you, you don't have that animosity, which is, again, self-perpetuating. So that, that helps the atmosphere and it allows it to be much more entertainment-based. It allows it to be, we are having fun here. Mm. And, and these American sports organisations are franchises yeah you 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 support your franchise whilst it's your franchise and it might suddenly become somebody else's but in, because in, you know in, because of a, a financial consideration beyond your control. but in a lot of the biggest cases like the red sox aren't leaving boston yeah. the yankees aren't leaving new york you know that there are obviously the, the, the raiders the rams the Chargers have all moved around in american football recently but the, the really big ones or some of the really big ones well, are part of the the fabric That's of life. That's the, true. The, the Raiders are an interesting point because they are a team that ha- they are a storied franchise, particularly big in the 1970s under Madden, and they only are not associated completely with Oakland because they had an anti-establishment owner who liked to play chicken with the people who ruled the game. So the Davis family have done this before. And so it's slightly different. When you mentioned college sports, that's interesting because they, they, yes, they don't move because they are tied to the college. And often they feel because they are not a market in which the NFL, for example, would ever dip into, they have a huge, huge following for their college sports because they don't have those fans. And they feel a little bit maligned and second class because they know that they're never going to get those big professional sporting franchises coming their way. So is there more tribalism so in that? So it's much more tribalism. And you will have 100,000 people in a, in a college stadium. They'll all be decked out in crimson if they're if they're Alabama fans and it'll be in it will matter to them 
just as much as it would do for a Manchester City or Manchester United fan the week after the derby, after one team has lost, for example. So do you think that when Alabama are playing their, their fierce rivals, Arkansas... <laughs> It'll probably be Florida or Georgia. Do they, will, will there be people in the crowd who, when they score a that's touchdown... Yeah, I was going to say this. Is that, that happen? Having that same reaction that's, that's less joy and more kind of anger and delight in yeah, pain. Because there won't be any... any very know, few. There yeah. won't be any away fans. So you, as exactly. it were. So a friend of mine's always so had the pure theory joy. Pure joy. That if you, I must have mentioned it to you in private before, but he's got this theory that if you took the Wimbledon crowd and served pies and ale, and took a football crowd and gave them strawberries and champagne, you'd change the difference because of the kind of the contextual, the contextual kind of atmosphere around it would be very different. And I wonder whether. Yeah, it is the presence of those away fans, from a fan's point of view, that make it more about... You have that kind of that call and response thing of chanting, and then when you score, it's, ah, we've won the sort of the, the all-round battle of the chanting in the football, which is kind of a... Can I, can I yeah. be there when you take Don Perignon's <laughs> shoulders to Millwall? <laughs> There's got to be a documentary in that. Bermondsey, Bermondsey is an up-and-coming area change. It's, uh, it's the, on the way to being gentrified. I can tell really? You. Yeah. Mm. Isn't everywhere? <laughs> I brought upon it to the den. <laughs> he, he says as he struggles to eat a strawberry I won't be eating any of them myself. That's oh. too complicated. The other thing to mention is about, is about team spirit. So if... If football players in this country are all about trying to stave off negativity or abuse, can you derive joy from that sense of your team, you and your teammates succeeding? So almost in, a, in an environment which is set to one side from the crowd and everything, how much would, have, would team spirit, when you were part of those teams, been the driving force to whether you experienced unadulterated joy? I just, well, there, were a time, there were times at Everton where we were very successful over a, a couple of year period and we actually won the FA Cup. That was as good as you I don't mention that. Yeah, well, the FA Cup. Well, yeah, I didn't win it. Well, I did kind of win it when, personally. When? But I, uh, 1995. Oh, right. Yes, okay. for our younger listeners, that was in the last yes, yes, century. Yes, yes. We've been doing but this for quite a while, and you've not mentioned that. that. No. I played for England as well. We'll probably talk about that later. Okay. But anyway, um, that was the best. T- I, I'm not sure. I, I, I do feel the game has changed in the time since then to now. So whether the people talk about it all the time, coach, the great team spirit. I'm, I'm not sure. Players, I feel, see themselves as a lot more individual. At certainly, the big clubs mm. that they they don't they're not as selfless as, as maybe players in the lower half and maybe the Premier League certainly in, in the leagues below that it's very different I think there is a there is a team spirit there and that is very important and there is a collective spirit that when we win we all win I just get a feeling there's certain players and I play with certain players at the top level that it's not about the team winning it's about me scoring a goal mm. and so you always have to take that into consideration whether that is just to do when you get to the real top echelons of the game and the players how they see themselves and think well it is all about me I'm the most important thing it isn't about the team it's about me looking successful but once it becomes individual team spirit goes out the window doesn't it do you remember do you remember games days at training where you came home and thought I had fun today yes training I loved training I wasn't massively keen on match days because that was really really important but that mm. is obviously the, the, the top end of the job that you're doing and that's when it is important but training there wasn't any pressure on it you were playing with you and if you did get on very well training was even it was just fantastic two years at Everton were just amazing because you were basically playing with very good players mm. who also got on very well and it doesn't get any better than that and then we did actually then match days were fairly easy because you knew everybody was, was pulling together but I've been at clubs where it wasn't like that at all but I, I don't know whether it's, it's more psychological than anything else and maybe that's just a progression of the last 20 years is that's how things have gone 
on with the increasing wages for, for modern footballers and whether they see themselves as I'm not really part of this club I'm here for a period of time and I will kiss the badge every time I score and pretend that I'm very much into all this but when the opportunity arises maybe to earn some more money or move on to a bit off they go so maybe there isn't that loyalty you get in modern football maybe you get it more in the NFL and in ice hockey and basketball maybe you get that more in America Rory you go to enough matches you must still sometimes experience that joy of being and about you're at Barcelona beating PSG yeah, that, no, I, that, I know, love going to watch still happen. it sounds really pretentious and it sounds like you sort of say no actually you know, I'm a much more advanced being than most of you which I'm not but you talked about everyone I love football and like, I, I, I say this endlessly on Twitter but like when people say oh you know the Premier League's the best in the world no it's not the Spanish League's the best in the world who cares mm. watch all of them I watched you know I watched Benfica Porto a couple of weeks ago which was a, a game that Steve commentated on because it's, Thanks for the support. It's football. <laughs> he was very good. So you, were the one. you were the one. <laughs> I was the one watching that on BT. The um, yeah, like I, I don't. I, I, I love going to football matches, and I love, I love football. But in, in, a, in a kind of just generally, I just love watching football. And what does leap out at me more, more often than there will be moments that, that you kind of I guess maybe maybe it's just you expect people to be having a nice time and that therefore when they have a nice time you don't notice it because it's standard it's when people seem to be resentful and angry that you do notice it because it's a more surprising emotion in that context the thing we said about celebrations earlier that I think is, is slightly is, is not entirely irrelevant you watch the NFL when they score the touchdowns, <laughs> they do their funny dances in their. They're not allowed to anymore. Are they not allowed to? But all right, so they, so they, they were all having so much fun doing them, doing okay. funny dances not, that they had to ban be, them. Yes, <laughs> you're not allowed to do funny dances. You're not allowed to hip thrust more than twice. You can do two hip thrusts, but not why, a third. That's why I never played in the NFL. My <laughs> hip thrusting. It's just too. It's just endless. It, yeah. It's compulsive. The, the, it chips, the chinch hips won't lie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like the, the, that. That suggests that there is an element. I know. I know a lot of them were marketing related, and that it was all to do with brand building. But that suggests that there is an element of fun being had with the sport. That you are. We, look, we've just scored, and I'm going to take a few seconds out to do this funny dance because th- it, this is a joyful moment. And you don't get that in football anymore. We did have that sort of swathe of celebrations in the 90s when people seemed to be thinking about what I'm going to do when I score because it's so amazing when I score. And now it's just I'm going to run around with my mouth open screaming. <laughs> And, it's, and I just think, I do wonder whether, and this is, this is the ultimate kind of, there's no conclusion to this, but I do wonder whether now the way we think about football, be it players, managers or fans, is more about avoiding the negative yeah. than accentuating the positive. And I think that is what's changed. And whether that's to do with the money, whether that's to do with the way it's sold to us as the media, whether it's to do with something, something sort of intrinsic in Britain, although I suspect it's the same in Italy and, and Spain and Germany, that where, the, where the pressure's high. I don't know, but I think I think that within that we we have lost something. Would, the sport isn't sport should be fun. It would, should be fun. Wouldn't fans say that it's the media that have sucked out the joy because they are always looking for the story, and the story is often better told when it is a negative story. Yeah, and they probably have a point. That's certainly there's there's no point sort of saying well the media is just doing its job. But no, the, yeah, if you go to a game where well the best examples say when West, West Brom beat Arsenal. The story should have been weren't West Brom great against mm. Arsenal. The story is actually Sakar Senvenger, he's lost it. Because that, that is, well, partly does it apply, it, it's more relevant to more people, but because big club in crisis is more relevant than, than smaller well, clubs actually, as well. I actually commentated on that game and I felt myself pulled 
towards let's just have a go at Arsenal Wenger and Arsenal because they got beaten and I had to work very hard to say no wait a minute West Brom were fantastic at what they did and I kept having to pull myself back from actually going down that road of being negative because that's the first thought that occurs to you let's have a go at a big club and manager under pressure wait a minute that's not the story of what we've just seen that's not fair but everybody's guilty of it but at the same time it's and you, you can drag everything back to Arsenal all the time but <laughs> it's this idea that if you don't win something that it's disastrous and you've seen that you know the not to have a go at Arsenal fans, but you've seen the kind of the the, the protest against Vendor, the accusations that he's killing the club, and you think, well, look at Orient, look at Coventry, look at Blackburn. They're clubs that are being killed, not not Arsenal, who are fifth in the Premier League and were in the Champions League and have been in the Champions League for 20 years. And I think there is a lack of perspective that fans have now bought into, but uh, that is media-driven. There's no question that's media-driven. There was a point... I, I, I don't know why this sticks in my mind. It must have been late 90s. And there was, there was a big club who was thinking about sacking their manager. I can't remember who it was. And someone said, if you look in Italy, as soon as Juventus draw, the front page of Tutor Sport and um, Corriere dello Sport will say, Juve in crisis. And then they'll win the next game. And it'll be, Juve are out of crisis. And that was held up as an example of how crazy the Italian media was in terms of demanding that Juve, Milan, Inter won every week. And if they didn't win every week, it was a disaster. We're worse than that now. We are worse than that, and that is a huge shift in the British media landscape. There is no patience in the media. There is no understanding that... Do you know what? Your team, sometimes teams are going to lose. Sometimes teams aren't going to win, win stuff, and they're not going to win stuff for a long time. We've said it in another podcast, and it happens. Only one team can win yeah. a, any one trophy, yeah. and, and that means everybody else doesn't. Yeah, and do you know what? That's okay. Perspective. It's okay not yeah. to win a trophy. Yeah. It's, it doesn't make your manager useless or your club terrible or your players scumbags. It's just, it's okay. You know, I'm really glad I've said that. <laughs> I feel really happy with myself. I feel much better about myself. Cathartic, isn't it? That yeah. I've got, yeah. I do have some bad news for you, though. You Go know, on. we're not going to turn this oil tanker around, don't you? There is no, th- no. We, we can't. No. Th- this is now. This is just what we're going to have to accept. Yeah. We will not be allowed to enjoy going to football. There will be those fans. We see them at every ground around the country. I, I swear, there's probably a couple of hundred fans at every ground in the Premier League who barely see a ball get kicked because they spend the entire game looking at the away fans waiting for an opportunity yeah. to goad them. Over the last year or so, my eldest child, who is now six, has been old enough to be taken to football. And my favourite photo of him is the first one I took of him inside a football ground, the joy on his face. You just, you know, you couldn't buy that moment. And I cannot wait for him to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy it whilst it lasts, people, but it is going so and it's sad. going. But it's sad. That's because you want to be that six-year-old for yeah. the rest of your life. And once you, the more, it's like a bit actually playing the game, the more games you play, it does change how you think about what you're doing. Maybe the more games you go and watch, it can never be like that ever again. So you might as well tell him, don't ever go to a match again. So it's not going to get, you're not going to enjoy it any yeah. more than you did on that day. It's the players I feel sorry for though, you know, and I've, a mate of mine on yeah, another podcast, Neil Atkinson, once asked, I think it was Jamie Carragher, if he'd had a nice time being a footballer. And I think that's the, it's the sort of question that you'd, you'd not really kind of have, a, I was going to say a journalist wouldn't normally ask. And I think that's probably right. I don't think you'd probably think to ask that, but it's a brilliant question. That is a brilliant question. Did you have a nice time being a footballer? And it was Carragher or Gerard, and Carragher said no, mm-hmm. not really. 
it wasn't fun. And I think that's really sad because you get into it for to have fun. And we dream of being a footballer. And why, why did he, in what way did he say... Just the, all the stuff you said, the pressure, the fact that the games meant so much that you knew that any mistake and you wouldn't get that's slaughtered. That's it. More, when I played, obviously when I played for... I don't want to keep going on about playing for England, but I did. Right, but no, nobody's I was more concerned <laughs> not, not doing things right was not making a mistake and yeah. making a fool of yourself so again if you go into it with that negative mindset you don't play your normal game because but, you're but so scared to, about making it's now up to the coaching staff to turn that around it is to, but to again it's in my worry. head and I think most players might when they get elevated to that status the one thing you don't want to be seen as is not capable of, of coping at that level so you automatically play within yourself be slightly reserved because you don't want to do things you probably do in a domestic game for the fear of being caught out. So that you're going is a very into it England's international problem, isn't it? Mm. That, I mean, that, Maybe, that, that's been yes. something that's been directed at the England team for the last 20 years. But if you look at the yeah. a lot of the teams that we remember, they're enjoying it. Brazil 82, they were enjoying themselves. Mm. The, the total football Dutch sides, they were, they, looked, they were definitely enjoying themselves because they were all getting off the pitch, drinking and smoking. They were a brilliant <laughs> time. <laughs> the Barcelona at their peak, I think they probably enjoyed it. I think it was probably quite intense with Pep, but I bet Xavi and Iniesta and Messi were having fun what on the, the pitch. What are the Barcelona fans like when they watch? Because this is presumably over the last 10 years, the football that Barcelona play. If you're turning up to watch Barcelona, you should be thinking, this doesn't get... Do they mm. feel the same way? Do they go into it do, enjoying do they, do it? Do they not have as as quite a sense of entitlement? I think they do. I think they, they expect to be entertained. Because they see element. a million goals. Every time, yeah. Do they smile and say, yes, it's not to say, have a good, have a go at the opposition. We've, we've just scored again. It's I brilliant. I... No, I think if, they, if they're beating out Alaves 5-1, I don't think they're... I suspect they're not kind of sort of exulting in how brilliant yeah. their team is. I think they're thinking this is what you should be doing. Mm, yeah, exactly. I think yeah, we that, want yeah. six. Yeah, yeah. 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 And we that should is be a beating problem. these seven. That, but, that has but, a problem that's affected yeah. lots of teams. Yeah, and I think that's probably... To an extent, that's maybe a payoff that you make if you are a fan of one of those mega clubs, the, the teams that are just buying Barca Real. You, you have to find a different way to enjoy yourself. That said, you watch a Bayern Munich game, there's people in the stands having fun. Yeah. Then there's no kind of, there's no, no doubt about that. There is a more fun atmosphere in Germany. Actually, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I, I, that comes back to the money thing. Yeah, that's because their money, ticket yeah. costs 20 euros. They yeah. got there for free on excellent public transport and they can have a beer in their seat. And they've yeah. still got a major manufacturing sector, so. <laughs> <laughs> and a country, well, they just, they're, 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 they're handing out Mercedes, BMW, Porsche on the way out. Yeah. Vaguely socially responsible. So, <laughs> so they've got, it's all coming up German, basically. <laughs> So it's not what's happening on the pitch that's changing the way that they feel about themselves. It's the lies that they live. Well, that was the social that's that's the that's the I yeah, think that's yeah. probably relevant. Yeah, I think yeah. it, that for a lot of people, for, again, going back to the fans, you wonder whether football is now a... The, they're paying their 50 quid. This is, this is, I'm not, it's not for me to say this is what fans are doing, because I'm not qualified to do that. But, and also there'll be lots of different motivations. But you wonder whether the benefit they're getting from football is they're going somewhere where for two hours every Saturday or Sunday they can stream at loads of people they don't know. Yeah, and that's then true. And they, they, come out, they come out of the stadium they feel... It's and they wouldn't behave like that at all no. for the other... No, six and a half days a week. No, so except that fella at City. He's definitely <laughs> it's just, it's just he's shout definitely out to everybody. like walking on the street saying, "You're driving wrong. You've jumped that red. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like your shop window display." Imagine if you saw Raheem Sterling out driving and he jumped the red. This is a sensational business idea. We could be we could make football better by just creating an environment where we could charge fifty people fifty quid to come and vent for <laughs> ninety minutes. <laughs> We'd be millionaires and football it's would be more enjoyable. Well, they used to, they they used to do that in the Middle box. Ages where they just put people in the stocks. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do that. And the other thing we should say about fans, because we've spent a lot of time talking about them in, in slightly negative ways, is that they are incredible, particularly in this country, they are in incredibly humorous, and often that humour is self-deprecating. That's the funnest so. thing about football. That's the one. That's probably the one area where it has um, survived. 
is the, is the chanting in this country. And it's the thing you notice if you don't watch American sport, <laughs> yeah. is how terrible the chanting yeah, is. Yeah. It's just like, let's go Red Sox. We, Kate and I went to watch the San Francisco Giants against the Boston Red Sox in San Francisco, which actually has an embarrassing story behind it, which I will tell one of these days. Uh, the, anyway, we sat there, and Kate hates football. She'll go to Anfield occasionally with her dad. Thank and goodness she, she really hates football. Hates football yeah, yeah. No, 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 but she hates football. She's not interested in sport, doesn't understand baseball, had no idea what was going on. But even she, after she'd finished like her garlic fries or whatever, she turned to me with her sort of <laughs> monstrous, <Garlic breath>. monstrous <laughs> breath and said to me, the fans aren't even swearing at each other. This isn't sport. And that is true. That in American sport, they're all, all far too polite. But it's like the, the after the Merseyside derby, the, the mayonnaise scoring chant that the Liverpool fans came up with. It's brilliant. That is just brilliant and fun. And it makes it... Even Everton fans, I think, must probably laugh at that and yeah. think, yeah, all right, that's fair play. And that's where fun still is in football. But there's too much, too much of it's been lost on and off the pitch everywhere else. And it's depressing. I do like it at Anfield when the cat ran on the pitch yeah, yeah, yeah. and the cop was singing, a cat, a cat, a cat, a cat, a cat. Doesn't get any better than that. That is fun in sport. Yeah, there you go. See, no, t- talking of self-deprecating humour, it's time for Nevermind Jack and Ori, What's a Soccer Story? Where Andy uh, Hinchcliffe tells us a tale from his playing days that has had all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details removed, but is still self-deprecating and also humorous. Now, on the last... Uh, podcast, you suddenly, like a light bulb above your head, thought, oh, uh, I should tell that story. So we've had to wait all this time, but once again, what a soccer story. This is so embarrassing. This is embarrassing on an international scale. (laughs) I'll take you back to September 1998, a Euro qualifying game. You probably remember this. Stockholm, England, Sweden. I can see the recognition in your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) The, the usual squad had been picked there's Sol Campbell Tony Adams all the big guns Shearer and Owen Hinchcliffe of course <laughs> yeah, the usual yes, squad the usual. thing so there's there's three left backs in the squad there's Graham Lasseau there's myself and there's Phil Devil. so the team gets picked Graham Lasseau starts at left back I get, aberration. Named, aberration. <laughs> I get named on the bench Phil Neville not involved at all so he's he's not even putting his kit on he's just going to wear an England tracksuit sit behind the dugouts so the game kicks off. We score in the first minute. We score in the first minute. Alan Shearer <laughs> scores in the first minute. Then Sweden, unsurprisingly, take a 2-1 lead on half an hour. And then Graham Lasseau gets clattered into and goes down. And there looks a distinct possibility that he might have to come off. So Glenn Hoddle, the coach, assessing the situation. The, the physios are kind of relaying the infant and they're looking over at him. So Glenn Hoddle, as, as you would do as a coach, he turns to his bench, looks, scans the bench, and says, Phil Neville, Phil Neville, get yourself warmed up. <laughs> So I look across at the, my national coach and I said, um, Phil's, he sat behind me, he's, he's not on the bench, he's not been even, he, meant, he didn't even know that I was there, he named me on the bench. And then because he thought, well, I can't put him on, he's a duckhead. I've got someone from the crowd on instead. And it was, look, it's so embarrassing because you sat there with all the other players on the bet, Martin Keogh and that, Phil, can you go and get warmed up? And I had to say, Glenn, Phil's... Um, Phil's getting the tease. He's not. He's not on the bench. <laughs> Sorry about this. It'll have How to be low? me. How low? How <laughs> low? What did he say? Well, there's nothing. Says what? You're not going to revisit that. Luckily, Graham Lasso got picked himself up and carried on. But how low do you have to be that you get names as a substitute? And then when it comes to the crunch and you might have to go on, he doesn't even think of you. He thinks of someone who hasn't even named on the bench as, as a possible replacement. Do you think he meant to name Phil Neville? <laughs> yeah. Well, on the bench. Got to think. Where was his mistake here? Did it come an hour or 75 minutes it's before the so before impact. kickoff? Why? Or was it when Lasso was clearly? Clapping? I mustn't have been in his thinking. 
So how's that happened? Were you going to be brought on for just like some sort of 94th minute free kick, just in case? But I, I clearly shouldn't have been on the bench because he wasn't... Oh, left-back's gone down. Who's my left-back? Hello, Glenn. No, not you. Not you. Anyone but you. Even someone I've not even named on the bench but you. And Phil Neville wasn't even really a left-back, was he? He was right uh, Even worse. Yeah. Even worse. Where's even my utility worse. player? Oh, yes. Oh, but not him. See, the height of embarrassment, isn't it? Oh, Do you feel I a bit like this, this podcast yeah. functions as like therapy for Chin? <laughs> I think it does. But like he's, he just remembers these stories. No, that, that really he gets did. to be himself. That yeah. really upset it's me. It's good that, to know we're providing a service to someone. So at least one person is benefiting <laughs> from us doing this. If you have any questions, by the way, that might be cathartically interesting for Mr Andrew Hinchcliffe do keep them coming in hashtag ask chinch uh, we'll do more of them soon you can send them either to at set piece menu on Twitter or also um, on email set piece menu at gmail.com uh, thank you to everybody to Steve Rory to Andy please do subscribe share and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule uh, thank you to everybody for listening we'll be back with another set piece menu for you to enjoy uh, very very soon do you think we've exhausted Hughes' knowledge of American sport. I no, feel we may have a lot just more scratched the surface. Yeah. By the way, I, say, ideas about I don't, and I should have said this at the time, I don't, don't claim at any point to be any sort of expert, particularly about college sport. So I might have said that uh, the Gators were the Crimson Tides big rivals when in fact they're not. So I apologise to anybody who's offended by that. Do you, do you like football, Rory? Do you yeah, enjoy yeah, you kind of go, this, is, this isn't this is really an, a, like a funny extra bit at the end of the podcast. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. A continuation it's a of this is a pen yeah. one. No, I, I, don't, think we, I don't think we've ever done a funny bit at the end of the podcast. <laughs> Have we not? No. Okay. Uh, I thought we were trying to be funny. Maybe it'll Well, worked. I'll tell you what. Um, why don't you try and eat a strawberry? Because that'll be hilarious. No, I'm not, I'm not. Show I'm me not, how it went wrong before. I'm not so like you a, hold the stalk. Do you want like an action replay? Yeah, go on. <laughs> I've only just <laughs> discovered there were raspberries in, underneath here. Yeah, we do it in the style it's of a match of the day pundit. Well, he's fruit. taking the strawberry and he's putting it in his mouth and he'll be pleased with that. Uh, basically, I tried to eat the strawberry and the stalk remained lodged. So it got the stalk. But it's where you bite, you see. You've got to be, you don't take, you're going too close to the stalk.